Well, welcome to uh, another of our Revival Church live conversations. This time, my my guest is Tim Eldridge. We've got to know Tim and his wife, uh, Sue, over the, the past year or so. And it's great to have them at, at Revival Church. That was literally live. Um, it seems such a long time ago. We were just saying that in the flesh. But anyway, it's great to have you with us today, Tim. I wonder whether before we, we kick, kick into our conversation, maybe you could tell us a bit about yourself for those who have those who don't know who you are, would that be okay, Tim? Oh, yeah, well, thank, thanks for having me on today. My wife and I, Sue and, and me, uh, have led uh, President's Ministries for the last six years. And uh, before that, we were leading a church for 19 years. And before that, another church. And before that, part of the leadership of a large church. So we've actually been in leadership one way or another for 40 years. But the last few years, he kind of called us to the nation's. So we've we've been travelling. Well, we were until this year. <laughs> now we're travelling by Zoom, and uh, it's just a great privilege to be able to serve him in lots of different ways. And right now, just to support churches and uh, travel more itinerantly. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And that really is in a nutshell. That that's that's Tim and Sue in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> if you want to unpack it, it's a very big nutshell. That's <laughs> true. Presence Ministries, people ask us why we have that name. Um, it's because his presence really shapes everything else that we do. We're not performance based. We're not trying to seek his approval. We're just working and operating from his presence. We already have his approval. Yeah. And, uh, and, and really the presence shapes everything that we do. And, and that can look different at different times, but we've, we've personally been impacted. Uh, by the Holy Spirit and His presence, and that's that's what we are passionate about and pursue. And tell us a little bit about the conferences that you've been organising in the UK, maybe the last few years. Because they're very significant for the nation, aren't they? Yeah, I mean we've actually done conferences for twenty odd years, but yeah. they just kept growing. And so the last seven years, we we did something called European Leaders uh, Advance, which became Alliance, and that was really aimed at leadership it wasn't strictly for leadership but um primarily it was and we, we've done those in different places london harrogate uh, bradford uh this year's one had to be cancelled because obviously of the pandemic and uh, that's been a great privilege to gather people from not just this nation but all over europe and, and even further uh, beyond and we've brought uh, kind of world-class speakers in that the average church wouldn't be able to uh, bring and and brought people together uh, that we felt added something to the nation or to Europe um, in our journey. And, and sure. we've been so honoured and blessed to, to be able to host that. Um, it, we, it was something we never intended to start, but God was just in it and just his favour was on it. And um, so, so yeah, so it's been a lot of hard work, but we've, we've really enjoyed well, it. Well, jo- we joined, we joined you in Central Hall, Westminster. <laughs> years ago. Very that, hot. The hottest, hottest day, wasn't it? And I remember we were seated near some some flag wavers, and we were very grateful. <laughs> you can see why. I think that's the hottest meeting I've ever been in, and that includes trips to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't make those places with aircon in those days. It was a fantastic event. Anyway, so let me give a bit of preamble, and then then we can sort of like get into the, the nuts and bolts of the conversation. So I recently. Um, within um, some of our things we've been doing in the Bible church, I liken this period that we're experiencing globally in the church to being in a chrysalis, like a time, I believe, in which God is reforming the church to make it what he wants to be and yeah. it needs to be. 
And uh, I explained that for a caterpillar uh, to be transformed into a butterfly, it necessitates the former, allowing its entire being to be disassembled, sounds painful, and then reformed into the latter. So essentially, all the caterpillar has to do is submit to the process. God, through the natural processes he's designed, does the rest. So if this is what God is doing, I would suggest that our response to this is as simple as surrendering everything of ourselves, lives, ambitions, priorities, uh, everything to God. Um, I would say this would be both an individual response and a corporate church response as well. As we fully let go, surrender, we allow God to do what he needs to do. Obviously, that's not to negate planning and strategy for our future. But our thinking, I would say, first needs to be that of the butterfly, not the caterpillar. If the church hasn't allowed uh, God to reform us, I'm making that a hyphenated word, you're here, uh, to reform us, uh, we will exit uh, this pandemic, I think, and enter into the new era with the mindset uh, of a caterpillar having an old model mindset of church. So, so Tim, really, I want to posit that with you. What are your thoughts about this, and do they resonate with you? Do they resonate with you at all? Yeah, they do, and I think that's a great illustration of uh, caterpillar to, to butterfly because you go through that kind of um, process, and you can't hurry that. And, and I remember studying that process some years ago, and, and actually, while while we surrender to the process, um, if you help. Uh, the, the butterfly to come out of its chrysalis too soon, it will actually die. And so part of that change is struggle. It's not as simple as just um, let it be. It's like you have to struggle to come out, and it needs to struggle on its own because it actually strengthens the wings. And there is, there is a struggle for the church right now, not in a negative way, but in a positive way, because the other side of this process, we're going to look different to where we were when we came into it. And that's a good and healthy thing. And I would say that, you know, we're, we're receiving an unshakable kingdom and the things that fall away, we're not supposed to take with us. They may have been good and fruitful in the previous season, but we can't take them with us into the next season because it's different. You know, we're going to have we're going to have wings. We're not going to be crawling along a leaf anymore. So uh, I, I believe it is a time of change. I believe it's a time of reset and reboot and when we come out the other side we won't look the same as what we were before and there's a number of things that I, I believe God wants in particular and there's probably a lot more but just just things that have become obvious already uh, I believe he wants us not to have um, misplaced trust a lot of people have had trust in in either their the way they do church or the, their family uh, uh, gathering or you know even meeting in a building and and I think he's shaking everything up and it's like our trust is not in those things our trust needs to be in him and uh, and so I think it, I think he's redirecting us back to one of the most important things in our life and it's not our investments or our property or our job it's like trusting him and a, a great testimony for us personally is you know this is this in the natural should be a time of famine. <laughs> we we travel round. We haven't been able to travel anyway. But he's just been so faithful to us and he's he's supplied us with resource and uh money uh in this time beyond anything that makes sense. And I think it's because we just had our face fixed on him, not 
not obviously we prayed, but but we we didn't worry. We just said, well, you've asked us to do this, and you'll supply. And he has in, in, in incredible and ways that we couldn't have even made up. So I think trust is a really big thing to have trust in him. There's some other things as well. I think he's trying to get us back to people, not just buildings. That's uncomfortable for some people because you know a meeting. Is we can hide behind that, but he's really trying to bring relationships strong because as we go forward, relationships are going to be much, much more key in the church. And then, of course, he's readiness for a world that's hurting, and we have to change the way we do things, change the way we think, so that we're properly positioned to meet that hurting world. Because at the moment, we haven't been. That is so good. That is so good, Sim. So, so the church, the church as we, we know was, um, birthed by the Holy Spirit to, to be missional. And you talked about hurting world and all things like that. And that's part of the mission, isn't it? Uh, to, to be a people center out and yes. to meet the needs in Jesus name. But another question, what would you say to the suggestion that, um, the church's miss, missional edge was lost when it dispensed with, or maybe just sidetracked apostles, prophets, evangelists and that this is something that God is wanting to restore as part of this reforming process? Is that something you'd... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you. I don't believe that you can build church without the fivefold ministries uh, mentioned in Ephesians 4. And sadly, in this nation, we've had a thousand years of pastoral ministry. You know, we had, we had um, originally the Celtic Christianity in this country, and they were very missional. You know, they planted minsters, which were missional centers, and they were based with lots of different ministries in a location, which would then go out and plant other missional communities or, you know, known as minsters. But then we kind of had a, a Catholic uh, model of Christianity take over, basically because we had a king that said, you've got to choose which one you want and uh, meddling. And, and then we kind of went to a parish based ministry where we did away with those other kinds of gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists. And we, we basically centered around pastoral teaching ministry. And even when the Reformation came, um, that didn't really change that element of that. So we've had a thousand years of pastoral ministry, which has made us or made the church quite selfish because it's about me and my needs. And, and in today's interpretation of that, it's very consumer led. What can you do for me? And actually, I think he's trying to restore a more missional, a more apostolic model, which is actually not just about me and my needs, but it's like, how can we uh, see transformation of our communities, our cities, our nations in line with with what his vision is for the nations of this earth? And so there is this change that's coming and it's an adjustment that, that jolts us because the way that we've been used to just, you know, teach me, teach me, teach me is not going to cut the mustard as we go forward. It's not about how much uh, teaching we've got or how much knowledge we've got, not, 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 certainly not cognitive knowledge. It's about experience, experiential knowledge, like the, the, all the saints doing the work rather than just the clergy and the laity listening. And, you know, it strikes me that for 1700 years we've had rows of people listening to someone speaking kind of monologue the first 300 years of church history was actually on the run because they were persecuted and and we were more missional and if you go right back to the beginning the, the mandate was go to jerusalem judea and to the ends of the earth 
And, you know, people settle. They just do what they want to do. And after a while, the Holy Spirit had to stir things up and say, well, actually, you, you do the first one well, go to Jerusalem. But they didn't want to go anywhere else because it was just familiar. I wouldn't say comfortable, but it was familiar. And then, you know, persecution came along and it stirred them all up. And they, they scattered and wherever they scattered, they, they took the church with them. And, and Paul is an example of that up in Antioch. So I, I believe he's scattering us again, but not not in persecution, but he's scattered us because uh, he's taken away all the things, or not he, but the pandemic has yeah. taken away all the familiar. But actually, if we can ride the wave properly, we can be really missional again with those apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic gifts that we so desperately need to build with. Long answer. No, that's put a lot of meat on the bones. That's really useful to the question. That is really a really good history lesson and reminder. There is far more to it than that, but that really has been helpful putting the meat on the bones. So really sort of developing that. Of late, I've heard two prophetic words from respected prophets, actually in this nation, which boil down really to the, to the same thing. And it's this, that God is disrupting or overturning the internal workings of the church for the reason of getting it back to the way it was meant to be. So this is a bit of a follow-up, really, to the, to the previous conversation. But is this something that you're hearing from the Holy Spirit? Maybe you've answered that a little bit already, but is it something you want to develop uh, at all? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that, Andy. I, I think it is a reset moment, and I don't just mean a reset to go back and do the same that we were before, but actually a pause. He's trying to get our attention. A lot of the distractions that would normally be in our world, whether it's sport or entertainment or or whatever, have been stripped away. And so uh, a lot of Christians that I know have, have kind of found, because of the distractions gone, they've prayed more, they've had more family time. And I think these are important things in the kingdom. It's not just about attending the church service. It's about the whole of life. And so I, I do believe he's resetting some things in our life. It's easy to just, you know, create busyness. And, and I think he... It's, it's not particular a day, but I think he's introducing Sabbath back into our lives as well, yeah. where we where we operate from rest, not from busy. And because we travel around a lot, we've 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 been able to witness a lot. And we've also led, you know, churches, so we understand what it's like. You keep the plates spinning, but I think he's allowed some of those to fall, so that we can focus on what he what his agenda is at this time. And I think he wants to bring us back to some basic things but also he's trying to ready us like I say uh, because there's the world over here that uh, don't know anything about him there's the church over here that know a lot about him and there's God that's willing but all three need to come together in a kind of perfect storm for him to pour out and your, your, you know your church is called revival we want revival in this nation and the nations of the earth but revival starts in us and it, it starts in change in us first and all the time we're busy, all the time we're doing, just going through the motions, um, we're, we're missing the, the still voice that he's speaking to us. So I think sometimes he just has to break in. I don't believe he's sent the pandemic, but he can use it. And, and I believe he's broken into the church, not just in this nation, but worldwide right now and just trying to re, refocus us on what it is that he is after. Cause in the end of the day, you know, we're a smidgen on the earth compared to the numbers of people here. And he's passionate about everybody, not just the people in church. And he wants, you know, if just 5% of what we have in the church was shared with the world, 
we could see transformation right there. So preach it, preach it. And 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 I guess you know we were talking about before that we came on this call really just about the fact that this this is a tiring time. You know, it's not that particular people are busy. There's just something the emotional energies that you know. Yeah. We're, we're, the, the typical conversation with a lot of people actually, you know, it's, it's taken a lot out of people for various reasons. And, you know, yes, we all want to come out the other side. And let's just keep this conversation with, with the church at the moment. So, yeah. I mean, had, there are conversations going, going on about opening the doors of the church and, or what will, what will this look like when we start again? You know, September's a great time, isn't it, for starting church because we, we order our, church year particularly around the school or educational calendar and i guess there's a temptation isn't there to expand our energies on starting to prepare i'm not saying strategize for what things might look like and you're a strategist i'm a strategist and we sort of like that's meat and drink to us you know we love to do that but what do you think about us exerting so much energy in sort of really like trying to second guess you know, what are we going to be doing church-like? Do you think that's precipitous a little bit too soon at the moment? Or, you know, or is that just me maybe feeling it's like, actually, I haven't got that quite on the radar yet, what our meetings will look like? Do you, do you feel that's too soon? Yeah, I mean, I've been saying from, from week one of the lockdown, actually, my wife and I had to lock down a week earlier because she was uh, sick and we, we weren't sure whether it was yeah. um, COVID-19. It wasn't in the end. but So we... we been kind of in lockdown for a long time and from that very first week I really felt the Holy Spirit is not in a hurry uh, I think a lot of people thought oh, it would be a few weeks and we'll be back to normal but I, I'm not sure he wants us to go back to normal as I've already said there's a yeah. new normal and I think we can't second guess what everything's going to look like on the other side and a, a phrase that that's been coming to me for about 18 months is uh, we're going to be a novice in the new not an expert in the old and that really came from a quote from a guy called Eric Hoffer, which I've been, you know, reading this quote for, for several years now. And it says, in times of change, learners inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped for a world that no longer exists. Wow. And I think, you know, we were, we got everything to absolute perfection about how we wanted to do things and all that stripped away. Yes. And now we find ourselves novices in the new. And I think he's, it's probably his grace that he's not showing us everything that's coming because he just shows us enough for the next step. Probably freak us out if we knew everything that was going to come. But I do think he, you know, he's, if, if you, if you have your ear open to the Holy Spirit, incline your ear, then I think he's speaking quite loudly. Not, not to us everything, but he's, he's already given us things that we need to adjust in uh, for the new season. Because the world isn't going to go back to how it was before. There's so many complications and it's much easier to do lockdown than to unlock, as we already see in our news. And I think the same, you know, is going to be for churches. Uh, one... one uh, person that I spoke to reliably informed by the government was that we probably won't be able to have church like we had before lockdown, you know, in gathered communities before the end of the year. Yeah. And that's a long, long time off yet. So rather than fighting that and thinking this is, you know, terrible, let's go with what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. And my prayer and my wife's prayer has been, let us ring out everything that we need to get out of this season that he wants us to know, because I want to be 
better prepared for the new season than just rush back and, and let's, let's resume normal service. So I don't know what all of those things are going to look like, but I do know it will be different. I don't think we can, uh, you know, it's not that church will disappear, but we will become more effective. I think we, we will become more effective in reaching the lost. Sure. You know, there's so much emphasis in the Gospels, like the lost coin or the lost sheep after going after the one. And I think before lockdown, so much emphasis was on us, the church. And, you know, so much effort goes into two hours on a Sunday morning sure. uh, that we haven't got any energy to, to reach anybody after that. And I think he's trying to shift that away from me, me, me and my needs and, you know, how it makes me feel to actually give something away that you already know to people that know nothing. And, you know, that the world's not used to encouragement. It's not used to prophetic words. It's not used to words of knowledge. And I don't mean spooky, but just if you give 5% of the encouragement that you normally receive away, that's just mind-blowing to, to somebody that, that's never experienced that. So he's trying to change our our focus and shift away from you know, navel gazing and reordering the chairs on the deck chair, uh, sorry, on the Titanic, as it were, and, and actually say, look, get out, out and give away some of what you've learned, what you've known. And probably the least knowledgeable Christian has got more than the majority of people that, that don't know anything about God or, or they might know about religion, but they don't know about a relationship with God. So I, I think it's going to go in that direction. I don't think we'll go back to how it was. If if we do, we'll die because it's, it's not cutting the mustard. But we, we need to hear the Holy Spirit. And so I'm not in a hurry. I'm just waiting, listening, learning. I don't want to stray into another subject. The whole area of racism that's come up with the George Floyd issue is that, you know, I don't believe these things are accident. God's restoring his world, not just his church. So we need to listen and say, what do I need to learn? Who do I need to engage with? Uh, you know, it's the whole world that he wants us to really engage with. Wow. Wow. That's so good. I mean, I've no idea about the, the uh, lifespan of, uh, of a caterpillar to a butterfly and what proportion is of a chrysalis and whether it's any, whether there's any comparison with the proportion of time taken. But uh, I'm, I just wonder whether, you know, how, yeah, just wonder what proportion of its life is spent in a chrysalis between butterfly, caterpillar and butterfly, you know, that, that it's, uh, seems like a waste of a, a life, but evidently not because what comes out the other side. Maybe a question there to hang in the air anyway for all of us to, to <laughs> yeah. let this t- time of change take its course. Yeah. So, so for the reasons that we sort of discussed, I'm personally, I'm personally not convinced, like, I guess like you, you, Tim, as well, that God is in a rush for us it to be sort of business as usual for the church. But uh, can I posit a, a provocative thought uh, for you to speak into? And here it is. If church attendance in the UK is falling now, I know what just sort of a caveat, really, there are loads of churches that are growing. There's vibrancy within the church. So, you know, sort of dying church is dying, but growing church is growing, you know, so that we are, we are encouraged by seeing God doing some wonderful things in this nation. So praise God for that. But like I would say, I, I think the stats are, and I sort of checked them up, probably under 5% of the population maybe uh, attends church now anyway. So, you know, whether that's completely accurate, but it's not a high proportion of the UK actually attend church 
And so, so the, the, the provocative question is, therefore, why hurry to open the doors of church buildings to present to our nation the model of church that they, by and large, rejected? OK, how might you respond to that one? Yeah, well, that's a big subject in itself. and There's probably a lot I could say, but I'll try and keep it <laughs> succinct. I, I, I think, I mean, buildings like money are a tool. They can be used for good or for bad. And so I, I don't have a strong, uh, a strong feeling of whether we should have a building or not a building. I think you just make use of what, what yeah. tools you've got for the best. Um, but if we keep in mind missional, like we were talking about, rather than just for ourselves and programs that just feed us and, you know, just activity, a lot of activity isn't necessarily fruitful. It's just busy. So I think, I think it's time to take stock. What is it that we're supposed to do? Like I said earlier, there's a lot of fruitful things that we did in the past, but they're going to be irrelevant in the next phase. So let's prune it back. And, and just like a vineyard, you, you get a vine. They, they tend to overstretch themselves and do all sorts of things. And, and actually they need pruning back to produce good fruit. And I, I believe that we are in a time of pruning. And if we're just going to try and overstretch ourselves with all the things that we did before, then we're, we're not going to produce good fruit. We're just going to burn ourselves out. And one of the things I believe that, that's happening is he's trying to change the way or some of the ways that we do church. Now, I love worship. I love meetings. I love, uh, you know, the body coming together. But if that's the only emphasis we have, then it becomes kind of self-indulgent. And, you know, we, we lead presence ministry, so we love the presence. But what does the presence look like in the world? Because they don't have tingles up and down their back and nice feelings in worship meetings. They're, they're wanting practical solutions to, to problems that they're facing. And I think we take with us, we take, we take with us from the church a number of things. I think we take integrity. We take excellence and we take creativity. And these, these are summed in, summed up in proverbs as wisdom. And wisdom doesn't look like, you know, some guru on a mat, um, like you would see in India. The, the, the wisdom is something really practical. So in the workplace, for example, when we come into the workplace, if we are working with excellence and being creative, coming up with solutions and breakthroughs and new blueprints of how to do things, then and and obviously all with integrity. It's not just for us, but to 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 bless those that we serve, just like Daniel or Joseph did in their worlds. Then I think we become uh, contagious and, and actually in demand by the world because they're going to want those things. They're going to want the blueprints of heaven, though they would never say it that way. They'd just say, "Wow, that's a great idea." Oh, how did you get that solution? And I believe that the there's warehouses in heaven full of solutions, breakthroughs. You know, there's not a problem on earth that, that God hasn't got a solution for. And he wants to give it to his church so that they become this light on a hill that the nations come to. But if all their effort is just about a meeting, he's just thinking, well, I can't release that to you. So he wants us to shift our focus more into the world, more into kingdom thinking, we don't leave the church, but the church is just the engine that, that enables us to do kingdom. And I'll just give you one illustration. And it was a, a pastor in Mexico. They had this wonderful church, you know, growing church. 
And uh, they were busy. They had staff in the church um, running all the different departments, paid staff. And uh, a businessman came along to the pastor and said, look, how much is your total budget for the church? And the pastor told him and he said, well, look, I'd like to underwrite all the cost of running your church, staff, building, all those things. But what would you do if for, for the city if I took care of the finance for a year? So the pastor said, well, I'll have, I'll have to talk to our leadership team about that. And they came back and they came up with 26 projects to bless their city, not their church, their city. All sorts of diverse creative things that the church itself was excited about. And after one year, they were having great success in transformation in their city that the businessman came back and said, well, look, you're obviously doing something. I'll underwrite the, your church expenses for the next five years if you carry on doing what you're doing for your city. So after five years, massive transformation had begun to happen in the city and the shift had moved away from uh, lots of programs and activities for the church and actually equipping the church to bless the city in all these different ways. And uh, after five years, the city council, city hall came to them and said, you're having more impact on transformation on our city than we are. So we'd like to give you to administer our budget for the next five years, which was something like five billion dollars. And uh, and the church became the stewards, not for themselves, but for the whole city. And they they actually discipled the city, many that weren't Christian, through these projects and through other projects, discipled them how to bring transformation. Now, that, I believe, is what we're going to see more of in the future. Not just that example, but lots of examples where we work with our city. uh, We work with politicians or council officials not to say, oh, this is this is what God wants you to do, but to actually serve them with integrity, excellence, creativity, bringing solutions. And when we do that, the church is going to be the most demanded people on earth. That is an amazing story. Gee, that is, that is. So you can read story. about it. You can read about it. It's in a book called Transformation by Ed Silvoso. Wonderful. And we all want the email address of that businessman. So don't we? Only joking. <laughs> yeah, but it's really that nearly ties in. We sort of bring brings conversations land. But there's there's a, uh, a Bible verse in Romans eight uh, nineteen. I just want to read it out, and it says that eight nineteen that says that creation waits in eager longing for the revealing or unveiling of the sons of God. And I, I wonder whether whilst now, like I've talked about church attendance, that the model of church probably the world for whatever reason isn't yearning for that and that's creation it's not just you know but i'm just i'm just talking in terms of the world i don't i don't think and that's not criticism of the world i just don't think it's yearning for that old model but what you said you know when it allows itself to be transformed and to get back the missional heart god's god's perspective you know because jesus he he came he parachuted in not literally but became god incarnate in mission didn't they and but so, so I wonder whether it, the world will yearn for that. Well, it did in that instance. It, yeah. yearned, it says, we want what you've got. And I, and I wonder whether the, uh, in bringing this to a close, and I'll get you to pray that for a moment, in a moment, Tim, that I, I wonder whether, whether not only is God transforming the church in this process, but he's, he's, he's withholding us um, to transform us, but maybe he's withholding from the world because actually it wants the world to yearn for something more than it's had for 1700 years. True, true. Yeah. yeah. 
I think I think we, you know, when you when you have a paradigm shift, we we have to repent about the way we're thinking. Not because it's all been wrong, but actually we need to change the way we think. That's that's what repentance means. And by changing the way we think, we can't just think I'm going to go out, knock on a door, ask somebody to get saved. And I'm not against that because I've seen fruit in whatever I've done, uh, whatever kind of evangelism I've done. But I, I feel it's moving from speaking to serving. And when we when we serve the city, it's not for our benefit so that we get a bigger church or, or you know, let's see this as a recruitment exercise. But we lay all that down and we just say we want to serve. I, I was speaking to some leaders of a church the other day. And just about everybody wants to profile them because it's a success, but they don't want any profile at all. So they've had Prince William trying to do a Zoom call with them. And they refused. They have television companies trying to come round and they refused. They have the council wanting to profile them and they refused because they just said, we just don't want this to be look at us, look at us. We want to just serve. And as they were serving, the favour that came on that church was incredible. I mean, they were just being phoned up by businessmen and councils and, uh, you know, people that got money to distribute. And they were they were getting money put in their bank, 35000 here, 50000 there, 100000 here, just because the people that were donating knew that that money would get to people that, that needed help. And and, you, and it wasn't just a social gospel. In serving those communities, they, they had Nepalese, they had Bangladeshi, they had Indian, they had all sorts of communities in, in a rural area. It wasn't a city uh, that no one else was taking care of. The more they gave and served, the more God blessed them. And they haven't been able to meet in their buildings. So they've just had to find new ways to do this. They can't even go in their building. And the favour on them, and I I believe that they're just tasting something of the future, that as we lay down our profile, as we lay down our ministry, as we lay down what it, what it is that, you know, we want to promote, God, God promotes, and they are becoming a light in their uh, rural area, there's a town, but a much wider rural area. They're becoming a light in that area. And people that would never have come to their church service, never come to worship or would have thought they were weird, are coming, you know, Muslims, um, criminals, all sorts of people are coming. And they they are like the light on a hill that's prophesied in Revelation. And they can't wait to come. And they'll tell their stories and they get prayed for and miracles are happening and healings are taking place. That's the church of the future. And uh, and it's not that we can't have a building. It's not that we can't have a budget. But it's like if those things take over, then we're going to lose the essence of what God's trying to get us to do. So we're novices. We don't know what it's all going to look like. But I do know it's going to be more of serving, more of getting out there. And, you know, when when we do what the Holy Spirit's in, there's a there's a lightness in our step. There's an exhilaration and there's an energy that there isn't when we just keep doing the same old thing, which is draining everybody, basically, and burning everybody out. And so I, I want to see this new church that God's trying to birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's not hurrying us out of this pandemic i believe there's a solution even for that but he's not hurrying us out of this time because he's just saying would you please just have a mind reset because if we just want to go back to what we did before we're going to miss it and and we'll just die 
and he'll have to raise up a new generation. But I believe that those that are hearing, those that are positioning, are absolutely in the bullseye of what he wants to do in this next phase. And it's, it's like the season change. It doesn't happen on one day. There's this overlap that takes places, and that's what's happening. So That is, that is both I, inspirational and insightful, Tim. Do you know what? It'd be really, it'd be really good, if you wouldn't mind, actually praying for us, because there will be people watching this call who want to say actually that's resonated i want to engage with that and maybe just give them some words to partner with i would like that as well is that okay and then we'll end it cool sure well father we just thank you that you are stirring up your church not just in this nation but all across the world and i just speak right now to anybody that's fearful from what i've just been talking about because any kind of change can bring fear or anxiety because we don't fully understand what what's going to uh, transition but I, I rebuke any fear any anxiety and I speak peace into people's hearts that they won't try to work it out in their minds but that as we surrender just like that caterpillar in the chrysalis has to uh, surrender to the process uh, even in the struggle you are strengthening us and preparing us you're, you're creating wings for us that as we come out, we're going to find a completely different world. We're not going to be crawling on a leaf anymore, but we're going to be flying. And I pray for every single person in Revival Church and everybody listening, either on the live or the recorded version, that uh, there might be something of a yes in our hearts, a resonation, uh, uh, an excitement even in the midst of uncertainty, to say, yes, 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 I'll just do whatever you want me to do. And our trust is in you, not in the things that can distract us, but in you. And that as we renew, as we uh, metamorphose in this time, that we come out full of creativity, excellence, integrity, and your wisdom for a world that's waiting for us to be your mouthpiece, your arms and feet here on earth. So it's an exciting time, and I bless everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tim. It's been so good to talk to you. And once more, thank you for just your insight, your inspiration, I think, like that. And uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah, bless you. Bye-bye. Bye.